0: I'm reading from the Old Testament, and so this is a good time if you want to open up your Bibles and turn to the book of Second Kings chapter five. Second Kings chapter five. And we'll read a few verses and then we'll skip down a little bit to read more. I'll start with verse 1. Here is your Bible. Now, Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Samaria. He was also a mighty man in valor but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. Perhaps one day, she said unto Naaman's wife, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria for he would recover him or heal him of his leprosy. Skip down to verse 9, if you will. Verse 9. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Think of this now. He stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him. The messenger said go wash in jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee you'll be clean here's my last verse verse 11 but naaman was wroth and went away and said behold i thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place. Put his hand there. And recover the leper. Amen. And for a few moments today, I preach on this one word, proximity. So you can write it down in your note or even by the scripture. That's a good place to put the word proximity. Amen. I'm going to pray and then we're going to hear the word. Heavenly Father, we stand before you. We are before you. I pray that your blessing and anointing would be on this word and on this moment. Let all the people who hear this and see it, let them have a new understanding, Lord. Minister to everyone today who is hearing and watching this word help us to receive it with all readiness of mind let our spirits be open to the magnificence of your power and your plan and I thank you for all of these things and everyone said in Jesus name Amen, thank you speaking of our world's current crisis, the pandemic. A 77-year-old New York-born Jewish man who went back to live in Jerusalem, he's been living in that old city for a few decades now, he said, and I quote, this week was comparable to the overwhelming emptiness of Berlin in 1945. Barren streets there there are empty passageways and passageways and a nothingness to the old city. He said, and I quote again, "This is the beginning of a new era of existence. We are now going into the future Unquote. I've looked into the scripture on so many occasions and daily Bible reading and through the years, and there is much turmoil and conflicts there. History itself is replete with wars and diseases, both modern and ancient. Every generation has seen its fair share, but none have experienced such a worldwide calamity as what we are witnessing today. What does it mean? How shall we proceed? How shall we do? If you look into the scripture, it becomes Immediately apparent that in each conflict or cataclysmic event that befell the people of God, there was a truth, a revelation that came with it or even followed it or some adjustment that God was teaching his people. Disasters, trials, even afflictions all offer spiritual lessons and insights to the believer and the unbeliever alike. They were, in those days, a redirection of priorities and values. And today is no different than before. Maybe it's because we've drifted so far from the example and the intent of the early church and early believers. Or perhaps we've become enamored with material things. insomuch that few of us can actually pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. I dare say that no one thought about bread until a few weeks ago when all the shelves were empty. Whatever the case, I feel the Holy Spirit trying to open up a door to us today that was very familiar to the first church. We've just had things so good for so long, too long, and we've closed the door or ignored it. And so I preach today this word, proximity, proximity. I read to you from the book of Kings, but in this instance, the main character is not about a king, but a captain. Read those verses in your Bible. Look at the irony of it all. Just in the text alone that I read, we are told that God gave Naaman, a Syrian captain, favor, and that it was the Lord who blessed the Syrian king Aram. One version says it this way, because through Naaman the Lord had given victory to Aram. But at the same time, one of the daughters of Israel had been taken away captive. A young girl has been taken. And we find her now living in the home of Naaman as a maid servant to the wife of Naaman. Making the entire count perplexing to our natural mind. But remember, everyone, God has a will, and his will is both holy and pure. And God executes his divine will in ways that are often difficult for the human mind to compute. He moves in his own power and exercises the elements of the earth and creation for his own pleasure. And not only does he not ask her opinion, but the Bible says that he follows the purpose, and I quote from Ephesians 1, after the council of his own will. God is sufficient all by himself. He doesn't need our input or ideas or anything we might think valuable. He is following after the counsel of his own will. So consider the scripture. Naaman, this famous and lauded captain of Syria, he has a pristine name. He is renowned in his own land and feared among his enemies. His king, King Aram, is proud of him. And those in his company stand tall to align themselves next to him. The scripture heaps praise on Naaman. And then comes this small but dreadful conjunction. It says, but, which means in spite of the accolades or regardless of his accomplishments, this famed and revered captain is a leper. Of all the sluggishly fatal diseases, leprosy was the most miserable of them all. With no remedy and no respite, the leper will eventually and certainly waste away their extremities flaking away as the painful and pitiful process emaciates the body. Naaman was a hero among his own people, but he was a leper. He was a renowned man, a great captain, but he was a leper. It wiped out every other honor that might have been bestowed upon him. It stripped him of all of the aforementioned titles and commendations. No amount of victories could cover the fact that he was a leper. His victories were laid to waste and the spoils of war were nothing but dust in the wind in light of his own incurable disease. I cannot say it of Naaman, but it is noted in the medical society that some of the most severe depressions occur in those who have no chance of surviving and know it. Some of them experience the lowest of lows, waiting for the inevitable to happen to them. Naaman's house is filled with his condition. They all talk about it. All of the family talks about it. The concern of his wife cannot be hidden. Even the young captive Jewish girl talks about it. And I suppose that the house of Naaman held some warmth to her, even though she was displaced from her own family. For she said, Oh, that my master could meet the prophet that lives in Samaria. I know that he would be healed if he could meet the prophet that lives in Samaria. And like every desperate family, they will try anything. The Bible records letters now written, kings communicating, almost like a truce between Israel and Syria, all for the benefit of this famed captain. And then it is finally settled. Naaman indeed will go to the house of Elisha. Naaman and a trusted military assistant take the trip to Samaria to meet the one and the only prophet Elisha. They didn't come empty-handed. They brought silver and gold and ten changes of fine apparel as gifts to this holy man of God. Naaman and his assistant will present themselves in the best possible light and with the utmost reverence. Of course, that is the way it should be Naaman is coming for a healing after all. He's coming with respect and honor and he can ill afford to make a mistake now His very life might depend on this critical meeting between him and Elisha But as they approach the house of Elisha a servant of Elisha comes out to meet them In fact the Bible says as they stood before the door a Person comes out not Elisha. He was a messenger The messenger opens up the door. He steps out. And he says to them, Go. Wash yourself seven times in the river Jordan. And your flesh will be restored. And you will be cleansed and healed. And then he goes back inside. Closes that door. It's all gone. One short sentence. And not a whisper more. It was a command with a promise. And... The door closes behind him. There's no formal greeting. The prophet does not present himself to Naaman, to his trusted advisor. Naaman and his servant, his assistant, they've come a long way. They've brought gifts of gold and and more. And yet, Elisha does not even show his face. And it seems that though Naaman is there with his horses and a chariot, the whole affair has become anticlimactic. It leaves Naaman angry and bitter and he said of the prophet Elisha and I quote I thought he would surely come out to me and stand call on the name of his Lord wave his hand put his hand over me or something on the spot cure me of my leprosy I thought I thought he would at least come to me face to face and do something but he didn't even come out of his house and suddenly and most assuredly the Lord is teaching all of us in this very hour a lesson about proximity it's a spiritual door that we must find today it's a spiritual door that the early church knew full well Naaman thinks that the prophet has to be in front of him face to face in order for him to be healed Naaman whether out of pride or of some sort of civil nuance, he thinks that it would be better, proper, for the prophet to greet him. Hello, we're glad you're here. Perhaps offer for him to come inside, sit down, let's have a word of prayer, let's hold hands, have a meeting. And he said, wave his hand or put his hand over my leprosy. Le- he thought that's how it should be. And here it is, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you can hear it today. To Naaman, are you ready? His miracle was contention on the prophet's proximity. He believes in the impossible as long as the proximity is right. He has faith if the prophet would talk to him, stand before him, touch him, none of which happened, and it leaves him angry. Elisha never comes out to see him. All he receives is a message from a messenger. The messenger, who is the mess? He is a mailman. He's not the authority. He didn't write the letter. He just delivered the letter. He's just the courier of the word of authority. The servant, the messenger, he steps outside. He delivers the word and he steps back in. In modern times, we might call him a preacher. Because he is relaying a message from someone higher than he. It's a word from above. He is instructed to add nothing to it and take nothing way but Naaman is struggling with it because he thought that his miracle should have happened another way his belief is based on the proximity of the prophet and because it doesn't happen that way and because it doesn't take place that way with physical interaction he dismisses the word from the messenger mm. I feel strongly today to tell someone right now the word is greater than the messenger don't dismiss your miracle because you can only hear the word of authority from the messenger don't let proximity become the wedge between you and what god wants to do in your life and in your home right now and please don't put your faith in the messenger he is only here to deliver the word from the lord god almighty he is not the originator of the word i hope you can hear it today. Day, the word of the Lord is premier the messenger is nominal the prophetic word brings life the messenger is but a token and if the messenger is anointed he or she is only anointed because of the one who gives the anointing and the word so I rise today to tell everybody and deliver a word or a message to you we serve a great and mighty God and he wants to heal you right now in your home your proximity is not a problem God can reach right where you are right now God's ready to put your life back together. If you've drifted away from the foundation of your faith. Maybe you grew up in the truth. And the word is coming to you today. Now is the day of your salvation. And I'm here to tell you that you can recover right where you are. The word is that Jesus is the healer of every sickness and disease. And he is able to heal you of every pain and physical suffering. And every anguish that is in your life. I... Just the courier of the omnipotent King of glory, of whom John the Baptist said that he was not worthy to stoop down and unloose his sandals. Jesus is the healer, he is the mender of wounded spirits, and he is the restorer and mender of broken dreams. Jesus is the savior of the whole world. He came to save you, he is still reaching for you wherever you are. Hear the word, hear the word today. The Lord is with you even if you think that you've gone too far and you think there's no way that he'll ever take you back you think you've done too many things too Many terrible things things that you are ashamed of things you knew you shouldn't have done and now you have scars and now you have disappointments and now there are embarrassments i want to step outside for a moment to relay this message to you the lord he will take you back he saves you the bible declares he is able to save them to the uttermost because he ever lives to make intercession for you he lives to intercede for you his function is to be the bridge between where you have been and where he wants you to be our god is a lifter don't let proximity be your problem you can feel him and have him and be healed right where you are and if you strayed away from the truth that you once knew Let me just tell you, he's a reconciler. He is the redeemer. He wants to redeem you again. If you've lost your direction, he is a guiding light. He wants to bring you out of that. Take the moment, hear me, take the moment right now. And reach out to Jesus and just tell him, Lord, heal me and restore me. And if you need to repent, say it. Forgive me of my sins, Lord, and bring me back. And in a moment of time, the Lord is faithful. He ever lives to be your intercessor. He ever lives to save you. He wants to reach you and save you to the uttermost. I am just a messenger of one greater than I. It's his word, not mine. So don't get dismayed because of the proximity. He is as close, hear me now, as the mention of his name. I know that might sound a little strange answering me via the internet, but just speak his name wherever you're sitting or standing. Speak his name with me right now. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Come on, say it again. Jesus. Close your eyes and say, Jesus. Jesus, he is as close as the mention of his name uh, I-, I want you just to speak his name wherever you are Jesus the proximity of your physical presence cannot stop the power of the Lord when you speak his name Jesus uh, I don't want you to lay your hands on anything your media device uh, I, I don't want you to try to get closer to me. I want you to raise your hand toward heaven. Because we got to get closer to him. He is with you at the mention of his aim. Jesus. And herein lies the measure of our faith. The strength of our resolve. It's not found in church buildings. And I do love corporate worship. And I'm anxious to reunite with everyone. And I want to follow... Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 and not forsake. I want to get together. I want to come together in the sanctuary and hear the rapport of the church body as we sing and worship God. It's going to be a great day when we get to hear the choir sing in person and the praise team lead us in person. It's going to be a great day when we can gather around the altar, kneel there, find our way down the aisle, fill with joy. We can worship today. I'm so grateful. It's going to be a great day. But today is also a great day because this is the day that the Lord has made. And in this time of worldwide calamity, I feel, I sense the Lord leading us back to that spiritual door that the early church used and found so familiar. We are pressed, hear me now, we are pressed, church, to become weekday worshipers. And not just weekend warriors. We have a lot of weekend warriors. They down their church, go to meeting clothes, they put on their Sunday outfits, they put on their spiritual or pseudo spiritual smiles, but they have no walk, no relationship with the Lord on Monday. The Spirit is leading us today into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He's teaching us a lesson about proximity. And I'm preaching about taking authority over opposition on Monday and Tuesday and on Fridays and not waiting for Sunday night or Sunday morning to get an experience or a breakthrough. We don't need any more weekend warriors. We need a weekday worshiper every day. And when we get to come back, we ought to be overflowing with the victories and the testimonies of what happened during our week. I don't want Sunday to become the last day of a long, laborious weekend. I want it to become the first day with renewed strength, a day of testimony, a day of joy, because we did not allow the proximity of our bodies of the church house to hinder us from walking in the Spirit. Now I'm preaching about walking in the Spirit. Even when you aren't walking in the building, you've got, to, you've got to walk in the Spirit. Even when you don't come on this campus, you've got to be walking in the Holy Ghost. I feel something changing in me, and I'm praying that the same thing is changing in you. It's a resurrection. It's a realignment of my priority, of my value system. We must find ourselves just as close to the Lord outside the walls of the church as we do inside the walls of the church. Oh, yes. And Yes, we need to relish the times that we get to come to the building. But we need to learn that we are the church. Whether we're in the building or not, we are the church. And what we cannot do is limit God. We cannot limit his power or his wonder or his grace because of our proximity. That was the blight that stained the disciple Thomas for the last 2,000 years. Go look at all the paintings, all the medieval paintings, all the renaissance carvings and paintings of Thomas. Thousands of motifs and carvings and murals all showing a doubting Thomas. Why? Why would they call him a doubting Thomas? I'll tell you why. Because Thomas had a proximity problem. Jesus rose from the grave, the Bible says. Some of the others saw the Lord. And they said to the disciples and to Thomas, Jesus is alive. The Lord has risen from the grave. They said, and I quote, we have seen the Lord. We've seen him. But Thomas said, well, except I shall see in his hands the print of his nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side i will not believe you see thomas had a problem his faith was contingent on his proximity to jesus his belief could not get past his physical location to the lord he said i believe but i believe on my proximity i believe on my conditions just like naaman who believed that his healing was subject to some tangible physical accessibility to the prophet. But I see the Lord showing us right now that there is healing and deliverance and miracles if we will simply believe the word of God. You can be restored. We all can be restored where we are right now. We can be healed where we exist right now. We can be lifted right now in the place where we reside. So let your faith out. Let your spirit Hear it out. What you wanted the most it is yours. He is with you even at this moment. I feel like clapping my hands. I wish you would do it right now in your homes. Clap your hands unto the Lord and call on Jesus. He is with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. He did not leave you. Just because you're not in the sanctuary today, you are in the presence of the Lord you're still in the presence of God come on out of your mouth say it Jesus 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 yes 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 look in the Bible consider the notoriety of the Lord now he has become a celebrated Jewish rabbi a teacher Masses, multitudes are following him wherever he goes. He does things that no one has ever done. He says things, pure power, wisdom, truth. He speaks to the lowest of paupers, beggars, and then confounds the most learned men. Think with me of the moment here where Rome has weighed heavy on the populace of Jerusalem and the outlying cities, all the area. Capernaum, that small city, is no different. The Bible says that Jesus went to Capernaum. He entered into the city of Capernaum. And there came unto him a centurion beseeching Jesus. The centurion was the captain over 100 men. He was in charge. He was skilled in leadership and in command. Mark chapter 8 says this, that he came to Jesus with a plea, a request. He said, Lord my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy he's grievously tormented and Jesus being the gracious savior that he is said I'll come, I'll come to heal him I'll go with you, I'll go to your house but the centurion said and I can only imagine with his hand up, oh no, no, no Lord, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy you don't have to do that, you don't have to come under my roof but speak the word only and my servant who's at home will be healed And then he said, I'm a man under authority. I understand how this works. Having soldiers with me, I say to this man, go here, go there. He comes, he goes. Whatever I say, do this or do that, he goes. I'm a man, I can understand it. Can you see it now? The centurion knew that the proximity was not the issue, has never been the issue. The centurion knew that the physical location of the master, his bodily presence, was no greater than the word, the sick word of the master, the centurion knew that one word from Jesus was enough to heal a man. Many miles or a distance away and the Saturian said Jesus I don't have a proximity problem you don't have to physically walk into my house to heal my servant all I need for you to do is speak the word and if you speak the word I know that the authority of the word is enough to change the condition of my loved one wherever they are I say to today to you to everybody if you'll just speak the word the Lord is powerful and he is limitless and you have the authority wherever you are all you have to do Lord is speak the word look I'm not I'm not telling you come on let's clap our hands one more time I know you're at your table come on clap your hands one more time oh yes 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 I'm not telling you that we don't need to be together of course we need to be together the Bible does not contradict itself. We are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We need to do it more and more. And the Bible clearly tells us to call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint with oil. Lay hands. The prayer of faith will save the sick. Yes, the Bible says so. They worship God together in Exodus chapter 3 and then all through the Old Testament. And of course, as often as they could, the New Testament church clearly declares that they gather together to sing in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And yes, we are privileged to worship and sing together just as they did in the church in Ephesus and Colossia and Corinth. Read it in your Bible and we will all get together and we'll have the privilege to gather again. But you don't have to wait and stand in the sanctuary to believe the word and to receive it. Don't get, let your physical proximity keep you from experiencing supernatural miracles in your life. I'll tell you why some folks are struggling with this shelter-in-place order. I'll tell you why they're struggling. They're, They're having a tough time. They feel alienated from God. They're struggling because we put too much faith in the location and not enough faith in the Word. I'm nominal. I'm just a messenger of a God who cannot be measured. He is the one from whom all blessings flow. He is the one from everlasting to everlasting. I'm just relaying a message from the one who spoke the worlds into existence and then he took on the form of a man and then he stepped into the cosmos that he made by his own voice. I'm just a representative of the healer. Hear it. He is the healer. He is the deliverer he is the way maker we sing about it he is the miracle worker he is the promise keeper he is the light in your darkness and you've got to receive it and the word is power and he can do exceeding and abundantly above all that you can ask or even think. I hope you can hear this and receive it speak the word right now he is not limited and you are not limited wherever you are the Lord is with you If you've been discouraged in your way, hear the word. God is ready to restore you and bring you back. And he's not far. In fact, he's waiting for you to come to him. Acts 17 says he's not far from every one of us. If you have lost your hope or you have stumbled in your faith or if you have self-condemnation. Oh, self-condemnation. God is prepared to heed your voice. Call out to him. He's greater than whatever you feel. 1 John 3, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. Oh, the Lord knows all things. God is with you in your home. Let me show you the great door. It is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to preach about it more and more as these days go by. It's the baptism of the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues. The Lord didn't leave us empty when he left this earth. Of course, his disciples did not know what to make of it. They were confounded. They had been with him all these years, three and a half years. And hearing him, they loved his presence. They wanted to be next to him. They wanted to be by him. They felt it was imperative to find him wherever he was. And they traveled with him. They went in and out of cities and homes. And and they, they relished the times they could stand with him, to touch him, to feel him. They would pressed upon him. But the Lord said, I'm going to leave this earth. But I'll come back to you in the form of the comforter, the Holy Ghost. And Jesus was preparing his disciples and us for a moment just like this. He said, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly, that's the Holy Spirit, that's the Holy Ghost, should full rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. The proximity was measured full well among the disciples that day. When he left them and rose on the Mount of Ascension and they watched him float off into the sky, he did not leave them empty. He said, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to send the Holy Ghost to you. And they went To Jerusalem and into an upper room and they prayed for approximately seven days and the Bible says the Holy Ghost fell on them and they all spake with tongues as the Spirit gave the evidence it was a powerful move you see he is with us in the Holy Ghost I say to you today there's a door open to everybody it's a brand new door that wherever you are you have the power of the Holy Ghost And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can be baptized in the Holy Ghost wherever you are. All you have to do is lift your heart and your hands to God or cry out to God or praise the Lord and ask Him for the baptism of the Holy Ghost and He will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost because proximity is not a problem. He can meet you wherever you are. He exists in every place. The Lord is with us today. Come on, let's Just do it one more time. Lift up your hands and trust the Lord and believe in God and know that the Lord is with us. That's right. I worship you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I magnify you, Lord. I lift you up, Lord. I pray right now someone would be healed in the living room. I pray right now someone who's watching this in their kitchen, that the Lord, the glory of God, would be manifest in their life right now. I pray for backslidden people, Lord. They know they struggle, but Lord, you're going to bring them back right now. Bring them right back into the body. I pray for children that have lost their way ever the struggles of health and life. I pray right now, let there be powerful healings Lord, let there be more miracles in homes today than has ever been seen in the church house. Let it be, Lord, because we don't have a proximity problem. You are the great God, so I speak the word. I speak the word as a messenger of the most high God, and I believe it, Lord. You are a great God. 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 Jesus, Jesus, as close as the mention. all you have to do, Lord, is speak the word, all you have to do is speak the word. I believe in you, Lord. I believe in you, Lord. Come on, say it with me. I believe in you, Lord. I'm worshiping you, Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Let the ministering spirits, let them go out to every house, to every person who's listening, for every person who's watching. Let people be baptized all over again. Let there be miracles, signs, and wonders, Lord. Let there be strength, Lord, in bodies, Lord. Let there be a healing of minds and a resurrection of dead spirits, Lord. We're coming back. We're coming back.